Take your Bibles, please. Turn them with me back to Romans chapter number 8. We'll look there again tonight, starting in uh, verse number 25 is what we're going to be looking at this evening. The gospel is called the good news for a reason. The gospel is the message of who Christ is and what Christ has done for each and every one of us. Now the Bible says that for those who have placed their trust in Jesus, they've trusted in Christ and in His finished work for the forgiveness of their sin that we can be saved. So the gospel is not just good news, it's extremely good news. It's amazingly powerful what the gospel does when we choose to place our trust in the truth of who Christ is and what He's done. It, it changes our lives here in this earth. It changes our lives for eternity. It gives us, the Bible says, eternal life. So the gospel is truly good news. I love um, Pastor Don Smith. Brother Don Smith is one of my favorite preachers. Um, he was my teacher over at the Bible Institute, and that brother just loved Jesus and uh, did a great job teaching others how to proclaim the Word of God. I'm so very thankful for him. He's been such a blessing in my life. He said something years ago that blessed my heart, and I hope and pray that it's a blessing to you as well. He said the two greatest truths in this whole world is, number one, that we can be saved, that God has done absolutely everything necessary for us to become partakers of salvation, for us to be born again. He said the only thing greater than that truth, the, other, the only thing more amazing than that is to know that you are saved. <laughs> he said the first great truth is to know you can be saved. He said what's even better than that is to know you are saved. And so folks, I'm telling you, I'm thankful tonight to know that I am saved. I'm glad that I've heard the good news and I've believed on Jesus. I'm glad he's made a difference on the inside that has made a difference on the outside. I'm glad that he's still working on me. Can you say amen? I'm glad that he's still at work in me to accomplish his goodwill and purpose. And nothing backs that truth up more than Romans chapter number 8. For in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, begins outlining for us some freedoms we have in Christ. See, for those who have been blood-bought, for those who have been born again, for those who have truly been saved by the power of God, you have been set free. And the Apostle Paul says, first and foremost, you've been set free from judgment. How many of you know, for those who've placed their trust in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you are no longer under the judgment of God. Why? Because your sins have been forgiven. And so Paul says in Romans 8 in verse number 1, there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Your sins have been taken care of. Your sins have been washed clean by the precious blood of Christ if you've placed your trust in His finished work. And so the Bible's teaching that, there is, that we're free from judgment and that there is no condemnation. Can you say amen to that? 
I'm thankful for that. Not only did we learn we are free from judgment because there's no condemnation, we've also learned we're free from defeat. We have freedom from defeat as the children of God. You don't have to and you should not live defeated lives. You don't have to think like you used to think. You don't have to act like you used to act. You don't have to be weighed down by sin. Let me tell you why. Because you are now no longer in debt to the flesh, Romans 8, 12 says. You have no obligation to the flesh or to that old sinful nature that you were, we were all get, uh, born with when we were physically born into this world. The, the, the Bible's teaching we're under no obligation to that old nature. Let me tell you why. Because now we've been born again. And we've been made a part of the family of God. And with that new birth came a new nature by the person of the Holy Spirit. Now God the Holy Spirit lives in you. Can you say amen? And, and it's with this person of the Holy Spirit that we now have the power to live lives pleasing unto the Lord. So we don't have to live, and we should not be living, defeated Christian lives weighed down by sin because now we have the power of the Spirit dwelling in us. That The Bible says at Romans 8, 11, that the same Spirit that raised up Jesus now dwells in me and you as believers. So the same Spirit that caused Jesus to walk in the newness of life on that first Easter morning has now caused us to be raised up from our spiritual deadness so that we might also walk in the newness of life we're free from defeat for there is no obligation to live after the old sinful nature we're not in debt to the flesh <laughs> praise the lord and then last week we found out that we uh, are have freedom from discouragement there's no desperation for the child of god who has a proper perspective on the sufferings that we face now, I told you last week, and I, I, I've got to make this clear to you because I see it so much. If you don't have a proper perspective on suffering, if you don't get that uh, reckoned out like Paul does here in Romans 8.21, if you don't have a proper perspective on suffering, it's going to cause you to either doubt God, His love for you and who He is, or it will cause you to rebel completely against God. So you've got to get a proper perspective on the suffering you face, on why we suffer, on how we suffer, on the reason for a lot of these things. And we as believers, we know, just like Paul said right there in the 21st verse, that folks, listen to me now, we, um, the, the present sufferings that we face are not even worthy, or excuse me, verse 18, are not even worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So what Paul is saying, I've reckoned, I've thought about this, I've weighed it out, and I've come to find out that the sufferings we're facing right now is not even worthy to be compared with the glorious hope we have in Christ. How many of you understand tonight, for those who are in Jesus, for those who have been born again, we have a blessed hope of eternal life with God. We have a blessed hope of a better tomorrow no matter what we face right now, this evening, what we're going through, what we're seeing happening in our world. We have the blessed hope of a new glorified body so that we might be just as He is. And all of this hope we have is based upon promises straight from the Word of God. We hope in it because God said it's going to happen. 
God has told us that's what we have to look forward to. <laughs> Amen? See, these promises that we hope in are promised to us in God's Word and purchased for us by the Lord Jesus Himself. So we can count on it. We hope in it. And we've reckoned it out and seen that last week that the present sufferings we face is not even worthy to be compared with the hope we have in Jesus of a better tomorrow, of eternal life with God unhindered by the flesh. Now, let me tell you what I fear happens many times because it happens for me many times. So many times we, we get too temporal, te uh, uh, we, we get our minds focused on the temporal too much. And when you focus so much on the temporal, if we're not careful, we forget about the eternal. When, when we focus too much on that which is temporal or that which is temporary, then we begin to think that's all that matters. And that's all we live for. Now, I want you to know, we need to be heavenly minded because we are heavenly citizens. We need to be heavenly minded because that's ultimately where we're going. We need to be keep our mind on heavenly things, realizing there's much more to our life than what we have in this earth. See, when we're uh, just focused on that which is temporal, all we're really focusing on is what happens as we're dwelling on this earth. And it's very hard sometimes, I, I, I'll be honest, for me to think about eternity, for me to try and, and reason out eternity because we have a beginning and we have an ending. And if we have a beginning and we have an ending, then really what we're concerned on, uh, with is what happens in between the beginning and the ending. Amen. If you go out in the cemetery right here by the church, you're going to see on every tombstone a beginning date, then you're going to see a dash, and then you're going to see a, an ending date. You're going to see the, the date in which that person died. Now, usually what all that we're concerned with is what happens in that dash. But as children of God, you need to understand we shouldn't be so focused on that which is temporal that we forget that which is eternal. We have much more to look forward to past this life than in this life. Much better days are ahead for us. Many more days are ahead of us. Amen? And, and so we, we, we don't get weighed down and we don't live in desperation and discouragement over the sufferings that we face in this life because we know we've got the blessed hope of eternal life with God. Now, it's very hard to explain that because, again, we sometimes think... Um, well, like, like every human being with a beginning and an ending. But I want to try and illustrate that for you tonight, if I can. Gage, come on up here, buddy. I've asked Gage, my son, to help me this evening. And what I want to do, we're going to take this rope. And this rope represents eternal life, all right? The eternal life we have in Christ. Buddy, I want you to take that and go just as far back through there as you can. Keep going. Keep going. Atta boy. Good. Anybody got a pen? Keep going, son. Keep going. Thank you. Keep going, big guy. 
He didn't know what he was getting into when he said he'd help. Go ahead, buddy. Going out the door. Keep going. Somebody go hold the door for him. Cole, would you go hold the door for him, son? Thank you. Now, he's already out in the parking lot. He's about halfway to the road. Keep going, big guy. Keep going. He's still going. He's still going. Stretch it tight. Go all the way out. Now, he is almost to the middle of our parking lot outside. This rope represents eternal life that we have in Jesus. Everybody get that? See, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, if I take, where's my pen? Right there it is. I got a pen in my pocket. I forgot about that. If I take this pen and I color in just the tip of this rope, you see that? You see that we're colored in? That would represent the life we live on this earth. See, the average life expectancy for most people is around 70 years. For men, I think the, the average life expectancy for a man today is about 76 years, I read the other day. Now, we think that to be a very long time, but man, when you actually start living this life that we're living, it don't take long at all for them just to click on by. I mean, that uh, I, I was looking at some pictures of my kids just this week, and it broke my heart because I, I, I think back now, it don't seem like it's been that long ago, but they are growing so fast, and time is passing very, very quickly. So that lifespan that we have on this earth, we're here a little while, and, and then we're gone. I'm telling you, uh, Shakespeare said it like this, that man uh, struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is no more. Amen? And I, he's right on that. That's exactly what we're doing. We're only here for a moment, really. That represents the life we have here. All the rest of that represents eternal life. And that don't even do it justice. If we had a rope that would stretch through eternity, then... I could really make my point better, but I'm doing the best I can. Do you see the difficulty in trying to explain and trying to understand, trying to reason out eternity? So what we must remember is don't get so focused on this little bitty bit that we forget about all the rest of this that's coming ahead of us. When we get discouraged and down and out and in desperation over the sufferings that we're facing here, remember, we've got much better days ahead where we will be with God, listen, forever and ever and ever in our new glorified body, forever unhindered by the flesh. And for me, I think that's going to be the best part about heaven. I will forever be in the Lord, not hindered by the flesh that I'm in today. I cannot wait till I'm around the throne with my king. Can you say amen to that? So we've got a whole lot better days, many more days uh, to look forward to. Don't let what's happening just in this tiny little bit get you discouraged, depressed, and devastated. Because folks, listen to me. The present sufferings that we face is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. The Apostle Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians that eyes hadn't seen and ears hadn't even heard the great things that God has laid up for those who love him. And if you love the Lord tonight, you've got the blessed hope of eternal life with him.
Can you say amen? So we don't focus so much on the temporal that you forget about the eternal. All right? So you say, well, brothers, that's all well and good. Come on in, guys. Thank y'all. That's all well and good, but we are still living lives here and now. I, don't, don't get me wrong. I also think we shouldn't be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly good. We have this blessed hope of an eternal life with God in heaven in our new glorified bodies. All that's true, and I'm so very thankful for that. But another thing that we need to realize, we're living in the nasty now and now. Amen? We're headed to the sweet by and by. That's true. But right now, we're in the middle of life, a life that is filled with trouble, trial, tribulation, and suffering. So what are we going to do about that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because that's where we're at tonight in Scripture. How do we get through what we face day by day? Man, look, look, look at what the Bible tells us. We're going to read verses 25, 26, uh, 27, 28, 29. Let's read those together. But if we hope for that what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Verse 26 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Are you seeing that? Anybody ever had a prayer partner? Me too. I'm so thankful for people who are willing to pray for me. E.M. Bounds, one of the greatest authors on prayer that I've ever read, he said that it's a great thing for us to talk to men about God. But it's greater still for us to talk to God on behalf of men. I'm so thankful for people who are willing to pray. I'm so thankful for our prayer warriors, which truly are the backbone of every Bible-believing church. There's no doubt about that. I'm so thankful for people who are willing to partner with us in prayer. But now let me tell you something. The best prayer partner you've ever had, you're ever going to have, is the precious Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that God, the Holy Spirit, helps in our infirmities and prays for us. How are we going to make it through the nasty now and now? How are we going to be able to overcome what we face in this world? How are we going to make it through? I'll tell you how. We make it through by and with the help of the precious, powerful Holy Spirit of God. As He prays for us, as He leads, guides, and directs us, as He works on us, works in us, and works through us to accomplish the goodwill and purpose of God the Father. That's what what the Bible is teaching. He helps my infirmities. I'm so glad that he does. Now let's look at what the Bible is actually saying there in verse number 26. It makes it plain to us that we all have infirmity. Now what does it mean when it says infirmity? The word actually means weaknesses. Now how many of you understand and know we've all got them? We've all got weaknesses of some um, 
form or fashion, each and every one of us. No sense in denying it. No sense in trying to cover it up. We might as well admit it. We've all got weaknesses, whether it be physical weaknesses or emotional weaknesses or psychological weaknesses. All of us have infirmity. But the good news is, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit helps us. Now, it's not a bad thing, really, that we have weakness. Do you understand that? You need to know that. Matter of fact, the weakness that I have and the weakness that you have, it's not a liability, it's an asset. It's not holding us back, it helps us along. You say, brother, how in the world could a weakness be an asset? How could the weakness that we have, whether it be physical or emotional or psychological, how can that uh, be an asset to us and help us along in this journey called life? Well, the Bible says that when we are at our weakest, God's at his strongest. Take your Bibles. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Watch what it tells us here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is praying about a lot of stuff. The main thing he's praying about is that God would uh, um, set him free of his ailment. Matter of fact, he said, I sought the Lord three times about it, that he would take away this thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what this was. A lot of people says it's problems with his eyes, and maybe they're right. I don't know. But the Apostle Paul had some kind of physical ailment that he felt was keeping him from being all he could be. But he began to learn it was through that weakness he really got strong. Watch what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now, if you've got a Bible like mine, those words are written in red. And if it's written in red, what does that mean? Well, that means that's the words of Jesus. So the Lord Jesus spoke to the Apostle Paul, and it said, it's through this weakness I'm really going to show you how strong I am and how strong, Paul, you can be with my strength, with my power. Isn't that amazing? So then, this weakness that Paul is having, this infirmity, actually becomes an asset because by the weakness, he really gets strong by and through the power of God. And the same is true for me and for you. Listen to me, folks. God makes us weak so that he, we might depend on him so that we might really get strong. Let me tell you what we don't need. We don't need me uh, nor you, none of us need to get to the place where we are self-sufficient in our own power. When we get to that place, we're going to be more of a hindrance than we are a help. When we get to that place, we're going to get puffed up in who we are and what we can do, and we're going to forget about the goodness of God. When we get to the place where we are self-sufficient, we're no longer going to be doing God's work. We'll be doing our work. What I'm trying to tell you is God allows sufferings in our lives, I believe, so that we might understand our weakness and truly understand His strength. God makes us weak so that we might be dependent on Him, so that we might be strong. See, the truth is, the problems many times in, in our lives as believers, it's not that we're not strong enough, it's that we're not weak enough. It's not that we can't do it. Listen, folks, it's that we realize if it's going to be effectively done, God's got to do it through us. We're no longer relying on our strength, but we must learn to rely on his strength. And so I think that's why 
these weakness, these sufferings do come into our lives. Now the Bible says the Holy Spirit helps us in the midst of this. Let's look at that word help. Look there with me, verse number 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth. Now this word helpeth uh, that's used here in verse 26 is a very interesting word. Let me give you the definition in the Greek of what it actually means. It means to lay hands to in order to help. The only other place that this is used in all of the New Testament is when Mary and Martha was serving Jesus. Do you remember that? Well, actually, Martha was serving Jesus. The Bible says Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha gets uh, very upset at her sister because she's not helping cook the food and wash the dishes and serve the guests. And so she came and really told on her sister to the Lord. And she said, he said, she said, Lord, why don't you tell my sister to come help me, to come lay hold, uh, lay her hands to some of this stuff Stuff and let's get it done because I'm about to work myself to death. That's really what she was saying. Now that's the same word that's used here in place uh, or for it's speaking of the Holy Spirit of God. What it's saying is God the Holy Spirit lays, hold, lays his hand hold to us and helps us with whatever we're going through. He is truly our helper. He is truly our Comforter. Have you ever been in those times of suffering in your life? Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's physical suffering. Maybe it's emotional suffering that you're facing. I don't know. Something that's happening in your life that, listen, makes you realize just how truly weak you are. Just how small you are. And you have to then relinquish your will to God's will and, and look to Him for His strength. Have you ever experienced the presence and power of God in that time in your life? I remember when I, my brother died and we sat um, in, in, in a church kind of like this and had his funeral service. Man, it was just packed out with people. And I'll never forget that day, the overwhelming presence and power of the Holy Spirit in my life and in my family's life. It was amazing. My dad stood up and preached his own son's funeral and seven people came to know Jesus that day as their personal Savior. I'll never forget that. You're talking about a worship service. You're talking about a powerful work of God. Man, when we are at our weakest, it's when God is at his strongest in our lives and we truly understand what real strength is all about. I saw that in my father that day and I'll never forget that stood before those people and boldly in the power of God spoke the truth of God's precious word man and it changed lives it was amazing but I've seen that in my life maybe you've seen that in your life when you seem to be at your weakest is when God steps up and comes alongside you lays hold to whatever you're going through and helps you through it that's how good God is that's how uh, listen folks he is truly that comforter, that friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's who the Holy Spirit is, the person uh, of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the presence of God dwelling in you. Now, this actually means that the Holy Spirit does the work. But now listen to me. He don't do the work without you. Let me read to you some commentary that Dr. Adrian Rogers wrote concerning the work of the Holy Spirit. Man, this is good stuff. He says the Holy Spirit wants to think, but he wants to think through your mind. The Holy Spirit wants to weep, but he wants to weep through your eyes. 
The Holy Spirit wants to speak, but He wants to speak through your lips. The Holy Spirit wants to pray, but He wants to pray through you. Amen? And so what the Bible is actually saying here, the Holy Spirit lays His hand to help, and He does the work, but He only does the work in you and with you. So a lot of what I think he's talking about here in Romans 8, 25, 26, 27, and 28 is he's teaching us how to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Bible tells us many times to pray in the Spirit? It tells us that uh, really here in Romans chapter 8. Let me give you some more verses. Ephesians 6, 18. Brother, could you put that on the screen for me? Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 18. Listen to what it says here. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. How are we supposed to pray as believers? What's he say? In the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Look in Jude 1 and 20. Jude 1 20. Watch what the Bible says there. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How are you going to build yourselves up in your most holy faith? He answers, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, Holy Spirit wants to pray, but He wants to pray with you, through you. He does the work, but He don't do the work without you. Can you say amen? That's how He's at work in us and through us. So let's look at this. Go back to Romans chapter 8 with me. I want you to see three things here in 26 and 27 that I hope will be a help to you. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, get this. The Holy Spirit, first of all, enlightens our prayer life. Have you ever been in a place in your life when you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you just don't know what else to pray? I don't know about you, but I've been there several times. You're waiting on God to do this certain specific thing that you've been praying for, and it's just almost like you've gotten to the point where you just prayed out. I don't know what else to pray anymore. It's at that time that the Holy Spirit comes alongside and helps you, lays His hand to the situation, and begins praying on your behalf, enlightening your prayer life. This is an amazing thing. When you don't know what to pray, God prays for you by the person of the Holy Spirit living in you. And he does all of this so that the will of God might be accomplished in your life. And isn't that what you want? I don't know about you, but that's what I want because I've come to realize God's will is certainly the best way. I don't want to miss out on everything God has for me. I don't want to be outside to the left of God's will or to the right of God's will. I want to be in the center of God's will. And so God the Holy Spirit, when I don't know what to pray, prays for me that God's will might be accomplished in me, through me. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. You're talking about a prayer partner. He knows exactly what I need at all times so that I might be kept in the center of God's perfect, precious will. He does that for you. He enlightens your prayer life. But let me tell you something else he does. He encourages your prayer life. 
go, go back with me in Romans chapter 8 to verse number 5. Watch what this says. Romans 8 and the 5th verse. He says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. If you're operating according to the sinful nature, the flesh that's being spoken of here, do you feel like praying? See, if you're operating according to the sinful nature, you ain't going to feel like praying. You ain't going to want to pray. As a matter of fact, if you want to know really where you're at with the Lord, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? Because in my estimation, prayer is the most important privilege and work we can do for the Lord. It really is. See, a lot of times we think we pray so that we might accomplish the work. But what we really forget a lot of times is that prayer is the work. But when you are operating according to the sinful nature, you don't want to pray. You, you don't feel the urgency to pray. But now, listen, look, look at this, though, the last part of verse 5. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now, if you are operating according to the power of the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, He's going to encourage your prayer. He's going to encourage you to pray because it's through prayer the power of God is released upon your situation. Are you seeing how he helps us? Yeah, he does the work, but he does the work with us. He enlightens our prayer life. He encourages our prayer life. Let me give you something else. He brings life to our prayer life. Watch this. Verse 27. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit knowing what we need, knowing the will of God for us. Amen? He prays on our behalf and with us so that, listen to me now, our prayers might put us right where we need to be according to God's will. This makes your prayers worth praying. This puts life, power, in your prayers. When you pray in the Spirit, encouraged by the Spirit, enlightened by the Spirit, He puts life into your prayer so that God's will might be accomplished. I don't know about you, but I am thankful for the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something, parents. Do you always know how to pray for your kids? Me neither. But boy, I want to pray the right thing, don't you? Do you know that God, the Holy Spirit, prays on your behalf? 
you know, I don't always know how to pray for Mount Zion Baptist Church as a pastor. Boy, I want to pray the right thing. I want to see God's will accomplished. When I don't know how to pray for our church, God the Holy Spirit helps me in my prayer life. Amen? You know, I don't always know how to pray for my wife, but I want to pray the right thing. I want to make sure that, that I'm doing what I need to do as a husband and pray for her. And I want my prayers to be powerful and alive. And God the Holy Spirit helps that to happen are you seeing how God the Holy Spirit takes the pressure off of you so thankful for his ministry to us how good he is we make it through that uh, really short space that short life that we all have in this world full of sufferings and trials and tribulations we make that we make it through as believers by the help of God the Holy Spirit he helps with our infirmities now listen to me next week we're going to see not only do we make it through this life that we're living the things that we face through the help and the prayer of the Holy Spirit, our prayer partner like no other. But we're also going to see that we make it through this life because of God's perfect will. Romans 8.28 says that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. I wanted to get to that tonight. Man, I couldn't, I, I couldn't pass up what the Holy Spirit does in my life and in your life and helping us be what God wants us to be. So we'll look at that next week. Any comments or questions before we close?